Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Demetrius Harvey. Find him at Demetrius82. Demetrius, say what's up to the people. What's up, everyone? I hope you enjoyed the last episode of the Locked On Gators podcast, where we, you know, we we broke down a couple position rankings, the, the quarterback, of course, and, you know, we, we dove into a couple other things like Jacob Copeland today. We're going to be doing a lot more fun stuff, so I hope you stay tuned and please leave a review. We would like to know how we're doing. Hopefully, we're doing well. If you want to leave a review, go ahead and do it on iTunes and subscribe while you're at it if you haven't already. You can subscribe just about anywhere you can listen to podcasts. You can listen to Locked On Gators. Make sure to follow Locked On Gators on Twitter as well, at Locked On Gators, and our written content at SI underscore all Gators. We do a lot of work over there at Sports Illustrated. We've got about five articles out today and what's been a day in the life without Gators football. And yet here we are. We've got things to talk about during that. That being Florida's updated COVID testing numbers. We've got to talk about that and the new cases that they have added. We're going to talk about an article from Pro Football Focus that made waves across Gators Twitter yesterday. You're hearing this after we've recorded. We record uh, at nights to post the next day. So yeah, you this... This is Wednesday's show, and this article went around Twitter. Everyone read it. Everyone saw it. Everyone trashed the author, uh, if you're a Gators fan at least, for what he had to say about Kyle Trask. We'll dive into that as well as next up in our positional review through three games, the running backs. We'll get to that in the third segment. We'll get things started. Florida added 25 new cases to their weekly update. Now, for clarification, in case people don't understand that or are confused, Last week, Athletic Director Scott Strickland said on Wednesday that they had paused the program uh, after finding 21 new cases. Those 21 new cases were not listed on last week's update, which said that Florida was up to six for the month. Each testing update, those tests are through that Monday. Therefore, we get the date, we get the numbers on Tuesday of tests that were done and you know sent back from the labs on Monday. Therefore. These 25 new ones include the 21 that Strickland was talking about with an additional four that have come since then. Yeah. So th- No, I'm sorry. I take that back. There's been an additional 10 that have come since then. There's a lot of different math to it. But when it's all said and done, from when Strickland said that there were 21 across the team, 10 new ones have come since, and the team number is now up to 31. Yep. So there's 31 cases, and you know Zach did a good job. He tried to break it down. It's it's a, it's almost about what you would or what one would expect. I mean, when you have such a large number of cases in the first few days, and you have so many players that are always going to be around each other, that's just natural. Even just for any sort of sporting event, you're you're around you're around your guys, and you can't catch it before it occurs. You know what I mean? So you can't can't quarantine before they actually get it. And this is obviously a virus that is very easily transmitted from what we've seen in football and in other cases. And so that's kind of what the Gators are dealing with right now. They have plenty of people in quarantine. And I believe Nick Delatore of Gator Country reported that 50 were in quarantine together. I think it was at least 50, yeah. At least 50. And now we don't know if he meant 50 additional besides the actual COVID numbers of 31 or if he means in general which 
either way, it, it doesn't bode well in terms of having the amount of players you need to roster a team. I mean, obviously there's 85 scholarship players and then the additional guys who are not on scholarship and, you know, probably not players that are going to be playing very much regardless. So it's a little bit of a concern, at least for a couple of weeks, because the the mandated time for people who aren't testing positive yet and that just have to go into the quarantine period is 14 days. And, and we spoke about that. And then the players who have tested positive or even coaches, such as Dan Mullen, who tested positive at some point last week, he's going to have to be, and those players who are tested positive are going to have to be in quarantine for at least 10 days before they can come back while also passing additional tests, which the Gators are still doing daily testing. As far as we know, Scott Strickland said that they were going to be daily testing until they get over this, which means basically until everybody's all clear or a significant portion of the team and coaching staff and things of that nature are all clear. But we don't know exactly what this is going to do in terms of the impact going into next week, which will be finally when they get to play Missouri. Yeah, exactly. It's we'll see what happens. We, we can't say right now that that game is definitely going to get played because you got to factor in all the guys that are in quarantine, how quickly they're able to get out of quarantine, when they're able to get a team practice officially underway with enough guys to actually have a rosterable team for a Saturday. Factor in non-COVID injuries, which they've had. We'll see if guys start to come back when they do officially play. Injuries or other un disclosed reasons right just in general it's it's yeah it's not necessarily going to be an easy comeback even as soon as they do clear protocol right the non-covid injuries obviously you're talking about guys like ethan white who has the knee or ethan palancy who i believe he had minor hip surgery which was reported and then there's a few other guys who we don't even know what what's going on Kyrie campbell he hasn't even played no matter how many times Mullen says, uh, yep, we're going to get him back this week, you guys have seen it. He hasn't been there. He hasn't even, from what we know, he hasn't even practiced. So we'll, we'll see We'll see what happens in terms of how many players they're going to actually be able to get back and if they're going to be able to play this game. And obviously you guys hope they want that they play. We hope that they play because then we'll be able to actually talk about football for a change instead of talking about, oh, what's going to happen now? What's going to happen now? We just want to get back to normal just as everybody else does, and and we hope that they can get over this as fast as possible. You can't really, you can't really judge the time until it happens. It, it's a weird, it's a weird situation. And the thing that gets lost in this is making sure that everyone recovers fully, especially not knowing the potential long term effects of this virus. And again, like we talk about the young guys, football players probably end up being fine, but who they spread it to and. This count of cases did not include coaches, did not include Mullen's positive test or the other two assistants that he said tested positive last week. And maybe there's been more. So those are older guys. They'll maybe be fine. A guy like Dan Mullen, he's what, 47, something like that. I don't have it pulled up in front of me. But he, you know, they probably will be fine. Maybe not, but probably will be fine. And we hope that they do recover, but we don't know what these long-term effects could be, especially for middle-aged coaches like these guys so we do wish them the absolute best in their recovery as the florida football program recovers and tries to get back on schedule to play missouri on halloween when we come back we'll be talking about the quarterback that would lead them in that game against missouri and why pff hates him after these messages 
Do you guys ever feel as though you're always on? Don't you want just a moment to relax and chill? It's been difficult this year, especially with everything going on, social issues, and the expectations to be on 24-7 with families and friends. Sometimes you need a breather, and especially with the Gators this season, it can be stressful. That's why Coors Light is the perfect cold one to open up. Saturdays are a time to chill. Watching Florida football and relaxing with Coors Light that's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged, literally made to chill. I personally love the refreshing taste. It makes me chill out, relax a little bit, and enjoy the day. I know one thing. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you hit that reset button, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in a new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly with Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You know, I've been trying to get back in the gym recently, but I just couldn't figure out what to do after. Sure, I can just make a protein shake, but that's annoying. It doesn't always taste good and it can be time consuming. That's why I've started to eat Build Bars right after my workout. Not only do they taste amazing, but they are incredibly healthy with 19 grams of protein in the peanut butter flavor. I can't go wrong. Now, I'm not a keto guy myself, but it's a low-calorie, low-sugar profile that makes it easier for any of you out there that are. Right now, you can go to BuildBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuildBar.com. So Pro Football Focus, coming into the year, they did not think very highly of Trask. They did not have him rated highly at all compared to the FBS's group of quarterbacks for this year. On top of that, they've decided to stick with those takes, calling him the fifth-best quarterback in the SEC, I believe, behind Felipe Franks at Arkansas, for that matter, the guy that he replaced last year for Florida. And then they had a writer, PFF Anthony, come out today and write a story just going all in, pretty much expressing how he thinks Trask is nothing more than average, guy that does what the system asks of him. And, you know, Demetrius, we're going to get a lot more into it, but I summed it up on Twitter it's very possible for Dan Mullen and Brian Johnson, the play callers, Kyle Trask, the quarterback, and his deep arsenal of weapons to all be good. It's very, very possible for those things to all happen at once. I always assumed, you know, obviously football is an individual sport, and I just assumed that only the quarterback is able to be good at once, and the play callers and the wide receivers have to be bad in order for a quarterback to be good. That's what I always assumed. I don't know. Maybe it's wrong. Um, it is what it is, right? Yeah. No, but that that's obviously not the case. It's a team sport. I, I said this on Twitter too. This is a team game. It's not a, it's not a sport where you're supposed to have guys that aren't that great. You're supposed to have play callers that make a decision harder for the quarterback. No, this should be as simple as possible for anybody. Take Patrick Mahomes from the NFL and put him on the New York Giants. You think he's going to be as good? Because their their arsenal of, of, of receivers is terrible. Their play caller is horrible. Is he going to be good? Put him on the Jets. Is he going to be as good now? Or are you going to rank him a little bit lower? Because, you know, obviously his arsenal isn't good. His supporting cast isn't good. It's the same way with Kyle Trask. And now Anthony Thresh, I believe his name is, PFF Anthony on Twitter, he says that you know, fans and pundits have been calling him, calling Kyle Trask elite. Now, I know that some in Gators Twitter do call him elite, and I'll admit I do not agree with you guys saying that he is an elite quarterback. And that's just because 
I need to see a little bit more of that it factor that the the like the the perfect precision throws things things that you would see in an elite quarterback where he has just in a Trevor Lawrence right that that trait that nobody really has except yeah. for him almost Maybe and I a few and I want to clarify I'm I'm with you in not thinking he's an elite quarterback and I think anyone in the media here covering the team watching the team thoroughly on a week to week basis much less national analysts I don't think any of them would consider him to be elite right now and they said and he said in the story media has been doing it point me to the first story that calls kyle trask an elite quarterback i haven't seen it i I really have not seen it and i'm not saying that because we're part of the media too i just haven't seen it and if if somebody can give me an article where it calls him elite i'll i'll laugh with you guys and be like no that's not true you know you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i wrote a story today ranking the um gators draft prospects through three games and Elite quarterbacks go in the top five. Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, they're going to go in the top five. Maybe Trey Lance because he got some elite traits. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kyle Trask, I view him as a second rounder right now. Maybe he can get there, keep it up, win a Heisman, have some hype, look really good at the Senior Bowl and in front of NFL scouts, and keep building upon what you've done so far and keep improving because he certainly can keep improving. He can keep right. getting better. Like Maybe he will get into that tier. Right now, he he is not there yet. I will say that. No, he, he he's just not there. But 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 I digress. That's not what this article is really pointing to. It's not saying no, he's not elite. They're they're basically saying he's not that good at all in terms of his quarterbacking skills, which and is laughable. He has him behind right, and he has him behind Alabama's Mac Jones, Miles Brennan on LSU, Matt Corral even on on Ole Miss, and he has him like Zach said behind Felipe Franks in Arkansas. Now, okay, so that brings me to another point, and and I'm not trying to just trash this article or anything like that, but you guys, you guys remember what you saw with Felipe Franks. Now, I wasn't covering the team during his years in 17 and 18, and even you know the couple games in 19. I wasn't covering the, these games. I went to that Texas A&M game in 2017, and I'll tell you right now, that offense wasn't good, and I don't think anybody, I don't think you guys would ever deny that that offense was just straight up not good even in 18 when Dan Mullen came in initially that offense was not that good under Felipe Frank's guidance now Felipe Frank's did go up a little bit in terms of how good he was perceived and how he looked because Dan Mullen is such a good play caller he's such a good play designer but Felipe Frank's wasn't playing at the level that Kyle Trask is and then even in 2019 you guys all saw and I remember seeing this on Gators Twitter all the time we have a quarterback we have a quarterback because Kyle Trask looked that good, at least to you guys. And I've said this multiple times. I thought last year that Kyle Trask was a product of the system. I said, you know, he's making the throws, but he's not making any extraordinary throws. And that's ex- essentially what PFF did and what they say. But I've seen differently this year. I've seen more on-target throws, more precision, better decision-making, better pocket presence, and this is all stuff that PFF Anthony actually concedes. He says that, you know, the pocket presence is a noticeable difference. And yes, he does need to work on some stuff. And that I agree. But to say that he's not elite because they grade these high percentage throws as almost as if they're a negative, they call it an EPA per pass play. And, and it's supposed to grade how much downfield target passing basically explosive plays are graded in their system and how they're 
better passes or or perfect passes or not perfect passes. Essentially, and, and you know, Kyle Trask is ranked as the 11th in the SEC in percentage of those thrown. But then me and Zach, we went through the montage of plays that you know he can they would consider as not high valued passes downfield or explosive plays because of how the receivers are getting open. But I don't know about you, Zach, but I saw a lot of great on target passing, a lot of amazing play designs to get receivers open, and a lot of elite playmaking from both the quarterback and from the receivers. And I'm not exactly sure what else Kyle Trask is supposed to do in these situations. Yeah, I'm the same way as you. He's taking what the defense is giving him, and that's totally fine. You need a quarterback that can hit those throws in order to make the offense work. That's great that he's got Kadarius Toney and Trayvon Grimes and Kyle Pitts and these guys that can make stuff happen after the catch, which is something he said. Taking those underneath throws and letting them work after. That's great. That's a benefit. That has nothing to do with Trask's skill set. It's the cherry on top for the offense. It's what like makes it even better than what it could be. Kyle Trask, you know, like we were saying with Felipe, he came in and he made these players better. They were good players. Four receivers aren't getting drafted last year unless Kyle Trask steps in. Kyle Pitts is not a first-round tight end uh, draft prospect if Kyle Trask doesn't form a connection with him and they just, you know, the way Kyle works within the offense, timing, accuracy, precision, hitting guys in strides, creating throwing windows, improving his mobility to, you know, extend throws one way or another. Like, even if it's simple looking throws, there are nuances to each one, and he is them down to a T. The op- offense operates so well because he does things so well. He understands things pre snap, he understands where these small throws are going to be, he lets them work their way open. He works them open himself with some of the stuff he does pre-snap, some of his movements. We were talking about some of the off-platform throws we're seeing him make. Those are better than what he was doing last year. Like, all these little things, and even Anthony would agree, they're all positives. They're not things you can duck them on, but their grading system does it, and that's what makes it all so confusing. And just, I don't get it. I don't know how you can come away with something saying, look at all these positive things this quarterback is doing. He should get no credit for it. Everyone else should. Right. And it's all part of their metric system. And PFF has their own little designing metrics and data analytics. And, and you know, I'm a former data guy. You know, I went to school for management information systems and focusing in data analytics. So I know exactly how they want to grade these guys. And I've always said this. You can't take these things in a vacuum. You can't look at these things without looking at the entire picture. That's not how it works. You don't do that in any business. It just doesn't work out. It simply doesn't. So when when, when you take those things and, and you apply it to Kyle Trask, you got you to gotta put in all of the equation. You have to fill out the equation. You have to know that these guys that, they, that he has, they're all new. They're all new to the system too, basically. I mean, like the, last year they had four wide receivers that went into the NFL. Those guys were the ones that were making the plays. This year they have four new wide receivers. Those guys are making plays. Kyle Pitts is now making even more plays than he ever has. The offensive line has gotten a little bit better, and Kyle Trask has gotten better. These things can all happen at the same time. It's possible, I promise. It's it's okay for a quarterback to get better from year one to year two in terms of starting. That's all I'm saying. 
I'm not saying that this guy is completely wrong in terms of the call for saying he's not elite. I've already I've already conceded that. I just want to know who's calling him elite and why he's supposed to be graded so negatively and viewed in such a negative light because of the great passing that he's had this season. I'm completely with you. When we come back, we're going to be grading the running back position, doing our own grades. We're not going to be doing positive plays equal negatives or any of that type of fun stuff. We're just going to give you some honest evaluation of what we've seen from the three guys when we come back. Damian Pierce, Malik Davis, Naquan Wright. A three-headed monster of Florida's extremely complimentary running game to the nation's number 11, I believe, passing offense. That's what it's going to be, unless they decide they want to start controlling the clock more. I'm probably going to write about that now that we've got some extra time. Damian Pierce. They talk about controlling the clock and getting more plays. You can do that with Damian Pierce. That starts our evaluation. I think he's clearly been their most effective back out of the three, although all three of them have certainly done a good job finding different roles within the offense. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with that. Damian Pierce is their guy, their bell cow, or should be, and he's performed as such. He has 25 carries, 130 yards, 5.2 average, a touchdown, you know, he does it all in terms of running the football. He's been a good running back this year. I think that we haven't seen enough. I mean, there's only been three games, so it's hard to tell. But if you were able to take down the clock, take the ball out of Trask's hands a little bit in terms of and, – and not not in a negative way, just in terms of being able to get him a chance or an opportunity to extend a drive longer than what he would normally have, that takes a little bit of pressure off of him, takes a little bit of pressure off of the, the defense because they're on the, the Gators will be on the field a little, bit, a little bit longer. And then just see what you got in Damian Pierce. They, they didn't have any problem last year running uh, little Michael Piron. And let's be real, the Gators' offensive line wasn't that good last year. It wasn't able to drive those guys into the defensive backfield and give them space for the for the running backs to go. We knew that coming into this season, Damian Pierce was the next man up. Obviously, Malik Davis is another guy that we'll talk about shortly, but I, I'm fully with you, uh, Zach. It's just it's time to give him the ball more, time to give Pierce the ball more and make him the bell cow. And that's the thing with Davis and Naquan Wright is they've, all, they've both performed well. They've both really established themselves as pass catchers, especially. Pierce has not done that. So you get them more in on third downs. You make them the receiving backs. Even if you're, you know, you're not trying to give away that they're there as receivers only, you want them to be viewed as potential rushers to throw defenses off, it's fine. They know that they're not as big of threats. I mean, Naquan, maybe. You could make him a change of pace guy on early downs from time to time. But, you know, Malik's had nice runs now and then. Nothing that special. We've seen way more out of him when he's catching the ball. He's been great catching the ball. You put him in on third downs nine times out of ten, I think, and you can trust him to get the ball from check down King Kyle Trask, according to PFF. But if you know if they want to criticize him for getting the Malik Davis the ball, they can have at it because getting Malik Davis the ball on third downs is something that I want to do with my offense. Yeah, that's the bread and butter of the Gators' offense. Of course, it's just checkdowns, and you know they don't have any other kind of designs. They just put them in there and, and say, "Hey, he's going to be wide open." You know that that's just that's just how good that Dan Mullen is at, as a play caller. He's able to just design players wide open every single play. I think that Dan 
should just go into the NFL right now. He just stopped playing, stopped calling college, just go into the NFL. He's already, he's ready for that next level. Anyways, Malik Davis, I I liked him even as a rusher early on in the season. But, you know, I, I did watch and I, and I saw a little bit of his deficiencies. He's not as smooth in terms of getting in and out of the cuts at the line of scrimmage. But once he has the ball in his hands out of the backfield, we saw this, Zach, when we were watching that montage of Kyle Trask. He's able to make guys miss in the open field pretty effortless, effortlessly, or it looks like to me at least. And so far he has eight receptions, 119 yards. That's fantastic production, 14.9 yards per catch. It's fantastic. I think that a guy like Malik Davis should be in there on third downs, and maybe he's a guy that they would want to pair with an Emory Jones because you have that run threat, you have the pass threat, you have all kinds of, of, of different wiggle room to have with him, you know, Obviously, Naquan Wright is also a guy that's come in, and he's shown that he's able to be that bruiser, but also that wiggle. He has a bunch of other skill sets, you know, like the pass catching and everything. It, it just seems as though the, those are those two guys, and also with Pierce, it, it, it's a great trio to have. And the thing with Naquan, while, I mean, there's only so many carries they can give out while we're talking about feeding Damian the ball and understanding it's a complementary uh, part of their offense. Naquan, yeah, give him that change of pace role, but still don't let it take away from what Damien's doing. And, you know, when Demarcus Bowman's here taking carries on first and second down, because he's going to demand him as soon as he's here, by that point, maybe Malik Davis is gone, and Naquan's a perfect candidate to fill that third down role. So, yeah, we want to see him continue to do what he's doing, but with us calling for so much more, I'm really looking forward to the future for Naquan Wright. If he weren't to be as involved as the year went on, but it meant Damian Pierce was truly emerging as the bruiser, making teams respect Florida's run more than they do right now, then I think that's a win at the end of the day. You take not using Naquan as much because you know you've got him for a while. Yeah, you really do. And and, and you're right about that. Naquan Wright is more of a developmental guy who's going to go in, going to step into his role more next year. I believe he's a, a redshirt freshman right now. So, this is really the first time he's getting too many carries and getting involved in too many games. Obviously, he played a couple last year, but just not enough, obviously, to get a really thorough in, in involvement in terms of getting into, into the offense. But I think that they have a good trio right now. And, and like you said, Bowman coming in next year, you'll probably get eligibility because of how crazy this COVID situation is and just how extraneous or extraneous his his uh, his circumstances were. But I guess I guess we'll end up finding out at some point. You know, there is one guy, though, that we haven't seen at all, and I'm kind of curious on your thoughts on this, Zach. What What do you think is going to happen with uh, with Lingard? Is he going to – Lorenzo Lingard, is he, is he, is he going to play, or are they just going <laughs> to – Your guess is as good as mine. He's <laughs> really been at games. If I recall correctly, he was dressed for the South Carolina game, but no action. Mullen talked about him having an injury throughout fall camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, also having to come in and learn the playbook, being behind everyone else because he was so new to the system and didn't have a spring. So it might just take time. Maybe, I don't want to say things won't work out because they do have a ton of talent coming in with Bowman and what they have. But, you know, view lingered because of his injury as well and being a transfer is like, if he pans out, great. If he doesn't, it's not like you're mad about it. It's not like he was some five-star recruit that you landed and it didn't work out from the get-go. There were circumstances, and that's all there is to it. But for now, he's with the team. Mullen loves the dude. 
He really does. He's made it known that he loves the dude. It's just taking time. Yeah. You guys are you guys are I'm sure you're dying to see him. I mean, he's a he was a five star guy. He was fast. I remember watching his highlights. I'm like, this You're in a four two seven. Yeah. This guy's elite. Like, and they could use him. I, I was thinking of so many different ways, you know, before the before the season started. Of course, I had to take a deep dive into what the Gators were doing. And I was thinking about him being maybe a three down back right right off the get-go. Like he was gonna be catching passes, he was gonna be running the football. Like I thought that he was gonna be great. And obviously there's circumstances that come up and he, he does have to learn the playbook. And if he did have the injury during the offseason, plus COVID, plus what they already have, a lot of stuff is stacked against him. So I guess we'll we'll find out maybe next year in terms of how well he can do or what he's gonna end up doing. I mean, he's here to stay for now. It doesn't appear that he would transfer again, but I guess we'll see. Either way, the Gators running back position this year, to me, they're doing well. We got to see more, but they're on the right track. Yep. Won't hear a word of disagreement out of me. And with that, that should just about do it for us today here with another episode of Locked On Gators. Make sure to go and subscribe and listen to the show anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Leave a rating and review. Follow us on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, Demetrius82, and at Locked On Gators. Catch up with you guys next time.